Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. I would like to welcome you to our class today. This is our fourth class of a four-part series where I'm sharing loving-kindness meditation. Loving-kindness meditation is to help you eliminate anger, hatred, ill will in meditation and then move that into practice with your intentions, your speech, and your actions. Because when the mind has craving, desire, attachment, which causes discontentedness in the mind, then oftentimes we experience this anger where there's this anger and hostility. Because that craving, desire, attachment, we want the objects of our affection. And when we get them, we experience these pleasant feelings. But when we don't get them, then we experience these painful feelings. And this is where the anger, the bitterness, the hostility, the aggression comes in. And the mind can oftentimes produce unskillful conduct through our intentions, our speech, and our actions. So to transform all of that, I've been sharing with you over the last four classes, loving kindness meditation to help you cultivate loving kindness in the mind. And by cultivating loving kindness in the mind, then you can move this into practice through your intention, speech, and actions. So with breathing mindfulness meditation, that's helping to eliminate the craving, desire, attachment. So you'll experience less situations where the mind is ultimately angered, ultimately with the elimination of craving, you can completely eliminate all discontentedness. But as you're working on doing that with breathing mindfulness meditation and discontentedness is gradually diminishing, you'll experience less frequency and less intense anger and hostility. It'll be diminishing more and more and more as you build up your breathing mindfulness meditation practice and practicing generosity. Then as you're working with loving kindness meditation and bringing that into your practice, now you're cultivating more and more active goodwill or this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. And you're moving this into your practice through meditation and through your daily life, through your intention, speech, and actions. And this is going to remedy some very specific pollutions of mind that the Buddha discovered. So craving anger and ignorance or the unknowing of true reality is what's causing the discontent mind. This is keeping the mind trapped in the unenlightened state. So when we learn these teachings and we acquire this wisdom, now we gain the wisdom of how to eliminate craving, which is causing discontentedness, and we gain the wisdom of how to eliminate anger, through applying things like loving kindness meditation and practicing through our intention, speech, and actions, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. So I've been sharing this with you over the course of the last four classes. Today is our fourth class. And I would just like to remind you about how we do loving kindness meditation before we actually do a session together today. 
the way that I do loving kindness meditation as I start out with a chant, which I'm going to be starting a four part series next week on the chanting so that you can learn how to do the Buddhist chanting. And then after the chanting, we do breathing mindfulness meditation. I will guide you in this. It's where you just focus on the breath. You breathe in through the nose and out through the nose, just a nice gradual breath. And as you're doing that, you focus the mind on the breath. And whenever the mind is off the breath, you cut that off and let it go, come back to the breath. And when the mind moves off the breath, you cut that off and let it go and come back to the breath. We're going to do that for maybe about five minutes or so just to kind of prepare the mind, kind of remove any residual clutter that might be around. Then we're going to move into this loving kindness meditation. Then we'll go back to breathing mindfulness and then we'll go back to chanting. When we're doing the loving kindness meditation, I'm going to be saying these affirmations. These affirmations are four statements that we do. We start with, may I be peaceful. And you're going to do this on the out breath. So you think in the mind, may I be peaceful. I'm going to be saying it out loud because I'm guiding you. But if I was doing this on my own without having students, you wouldn't actually hear me saying this out loud. I would just be doing it internally in the mind. So when you hear me say, may I be peaceful, wherever you get to your next out breath, wherever that is, because your out breath is going to be different than where everyone else is, wherever you get to that, You just repeat in the mind, may I be peaceful. And then I'm going to say, may I be safe. Same thing. When you get to your next out breath, you'll just repeat that in the mind. May I be well. Again, on the out breath, repeat that. And then may I be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. And then I'll go through these successive rings until eventually we get to all beings. Now, The three statements that you see on the screen, this is a very basic one that I tend to teach on the very first session of loving kindness meditation, just to get you familiar with how we actually do loving kindness meditation. But the way that you should do this on your own is you should customize this for your own purposes. So there are certain people that you're harboring anger or hostility towards, maybe people that are currently in your life, or maybe people that are long gone, no longer part of your life, either dead or no longer associating with them, you need to uproot that anger because it's only causing you harm. You need to uproot any hatred or ill will. It's only causing you harm. So by holding on to that resentment or that hostility, it's just inhibiting you from being able to experience this freedom of mind, this liberation where you can treat all beings peacefully and harmoniously. You can treat people polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. So while I'll be doing a certain statements in this class that apply to all of us, you should be customizing this based on your own needs, based on people in your life, based on things that are happening in your life. And this meditation will probably gradually evolve over time. There might be certain people that you include in the meditation for several weeks, but then once you observe that the mind has let that go and no longer has that anger and hatred or ill will or even lesser versions of just kind of annoyance with certain people. Once you realize that you've let that go, you might move that particular person out of your meditation, having done that for several weeks, and now there's other people that you need to move in or other groups of people. You know, maybe like your coworkers or your family or your neighbors or things like this. So I will do this meditation based on a generalized statements that apply to all of us. 
But I suggest you customize this based on your specific needs. That's where you're gonna get the real benefit out of this meditation. So before we actually start with meditation, let me just pause and see if there's any questions that you guys might have. If you're in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, you can put the questions into the comment section. Our moderator, Miranda, will help you and ensure your question gets asked during the class. And if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. So let's see if there's any questions that you guys might have. Uh, yes, Tony has his hand raised. Let's go to him. Yes, Teacher David, can you hear me okay? I sure can. Okay. Um, yeah, on, uh, I've done this meditation, be, uh, this this practice before with you, and uh, my breath seems to be quite shallow, so I'm not, I, I don't have a, have a uh, you sort of say, uh, in, breathe in and then breathe out. Well, I sort of almost do two breaths to your, to your one. Uh, so should I, should, should I do the, the, uh, May I be peaceful and so on and so forth on each breath and then to the next one? Or what would you suggest? I would suggest that you, since your breath is shorter, that you do it every other breath. So that way it kind of slows things down a bit. Over time, you will be able to kind of elongate your breath and maybe take a more natural kind of slow and gradual breath. I didn't breathe this way when I first started meditating. It's been developed over time. So that's why the breath that I take is very slow because what I observed is my breath used to also be very shallow and very rapid. And also the thoughts in the mind at that time were very rapid and bombarded with thoughts. So by slowing my breath down with the mind and breathing mindfulness meditation fixated on the breath, by slowing the breath down, it actually slowed the mind down as well. So what you would like to do is in your breathing mindfulness meditation, work on slowing the breath down, which will actually slow the thoughts down and kind of quiet the mind and still the mind. But that takes time to develop that over time. And then eventually you'll get to the point where you have more elongated breaths, more natural breaths, a more slow breath, and you'll notice the effects to the mind. And then when you're doing that, then your loving kindness meditation will probably be every breath. But for now, I think if you did every other breath, you'd probably be fine. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Are there maybe exercises that one could do outside of meditation to help to slow the breath down? Yeah, there's some things that I did when I observed in meditation that the breath was real rapid. I, of course, tried to slow it down in meditation and, you know, I was only able to experience a certain amount of benefit there because I was trying to do multiple things at one time, slowing down the breath, focusing the mind on the breath, cutting off the thoughts and all these other things. So I decided outside of meditation, I was just going to work on the breath and I would kind of go sit somewhere really comfortable or I would sit kind of on the side of my bed and I would just work on the breath and just slowing the breath down, not even trying to cut off the thoughts, not even trying to fixate the mind on the breath, all those other pieces that you put together with breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. Instead, I broke it down to just one single thing because the Buddha talks about singleness of mind and just focusing on one thing. So you kind of have to build your meditation practice much like if you were going to build a brick wall. You're going to put one layer of bricks first and you're going to put another layer of bricks. You're going to slowly build this up until you have a nice solid wall. And you even have to pause in between and let the concrete dry in between you know, layers in some cases. So the same thing is that there were times where I would just focus on the breath and working on slowing down the breath. 
and getting comfortable to train the mind that I wasn't gonna die if I had a really nice slow breath or if there was a gap in between the breath because you'd like to also have this gap where you take this nice inhale and then you get to the top of that and there's this little gap where there's nothing happening at all and then you exhale just gradually and then there's a gap there as you transition over to the inhale so i had to train the mind not to be worried that if i wasn't breathing or i wasn't breathing rapidly that i was going to die because at that time i was afraid of death so over time you kind of gradually train the body and you train the mind and you can do this outside of meditation just doing some breath work and some breath exercises thank you sir you're welcome. Rick asked a question on Zoom. Um, he said, the method you prescribe is focusing attention coming in and out through the nose. Because I too have had a history of difficulty with the breath, would it help if I focus on the rising and falling of the abdomen, particularly in the diaphragm? There's some people who do that. I've never done it that way. I've always found the breath is better. And the Buddha, in his instructions, in his words, he always talks about focusing on the breath. He doesn't talk about the abdomen or the diaphragm because there's a lot of things going on there. So I suggest that students focus on the breath, the sound of the breath coming in or the sensation of air moving over the skin. And of course, breathing in through the nose is impermanent. You know, you may be able to breathe most times, but if there's allergies or colds or things like this, you might actually have to breathe in through the mouth a little bit and actually focus on the sensation of air moving over the lip or the sound of air coming into the body. And this is something that I was aware of because I had allergies and I use nasal rinses to clean out the nose so it stays pretty clean here. And I also have an air filter in the room as well where I sleep. But I knew that breathing in through the nose was impermanent. So there's different times in my practice where I intentionally trained to breathe in the mouth, in and out of the mouth, so that when I got to those times, it wasn't you know so problematic that I would realize, oh, I can't breathe out of the nose today. Okay, well, I'll just use the mouth because I had trained on that previously. There's a student who asked a question about this in the Facebook group this week. So that's why I bring it up that you should train on breathing in and out through the nose and develop that and focus the mind on the sound of the breath and the sensation of air moving into the nose, one of those two. But once you get that really well established over four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, maybe a couple of months, if you're somebody who occasionally has challenges breathing in through the nose, then it could be helpful for you to occasionally train breathing in through the mouth so that when you need that, it's available to you. And it's also really good for the mind to not crave this permanence of breathing in through the nose, that you understand that the breath through the nose is impermanent, and you now have trained the mind to not crave or desire to breathe in through the nose. You've trained it to do this other option as well. So then the mind won't be shaken up or discontent when you can't breathe in through the nose because you know you've got this backup plan of breathing in through the mouth. Yes, thank you, sir. You're welcome. On YouTube, uh, Marcel Campos asks, I would like to know what I should do when people, whenever people get me upset and angry. It is hard for me to go back to a normal mood. Yeah, this is because they're still craving anger and ignorance or the unknowing of true reality. These are the three poisons or the three unwholesome roots. The reason why your mind is doing this is because it's untrained. The only time you're never going to experience any anger is when the mind's actually enlightened. 
even in the first, second, third stage of enlightenment, as the mind's making its way to enlightenment, you're going to experience discontentedness. That anger doesn't get extinguished until you move into the third stage of enlightenment. That's where, by that time, all ill will has been abandoned from the mind. So in order to eliminate the anger that you're experiencing, you need to fully develop the entire path to enlightenment as a comprehensive approach. You can't just you know, press a button. There's no quick fix to this. It's gradual training gradual practice to experience gradual progress. So if you get access to the resources that I share and you join this group learning program regularly, I'll gradually guide you in how to eliminate anger 100% from the mind and all other discontent feelings too, so that you'll no longer need to experience them. The place to start would be to go to buddhadailywisdom.com. From there, you can download the free book, which is volume one, and you can start reading that. And then if you'd like to join this program, every Sunday and Wednesday at the same time, we have classes here online. And then we have a Facebook group where you can ask questions. You can ask questions in these classes. You can send private messages and you can even schedule personal guidance sessions with me where we meet in Zoom or in person here in Chiang Mai or also I travel around the world and teach at different places. So we're getting ready to have a retreat in Washington, D.C. And if you happen to be in that area, you're welcome to join. But you'll need to develop a comprehensive approach. So I can't really share with you exactly how to eliminate anger because it's going to take me many months to explain that to you. That's why there's 13 books and there's seven months of classes in this group learning program. And then there's a year and a half of training in the Pali Canon and English study group. But you do this slowly, right? When you're standing at the bottom of a mountain and you're looking up at the top, the mountain looks really tall. But when you're on your way up, and surely when you're at the top of the mountain, you realize that it wasn't really that tall after all. So you got to start somewhere. So if you start with the resources that I shared, the book at buddhadailywisdom.com that you can download for free, or you can order printed copies or go print it yourself, and you join this program regularly, you can gradually build up your practice where you'll start seeing results that discontentedness will gradually diminish. And I'm here to help you and support you, but you'll have to do the work to gradually learn. This isn't a question that can be answered in just a three minute or five minute reply. I apologize for that, but you're more than welcome to join this program and use the resources that I share in order to gradually train the mind towards eliminating anger. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. How can, how can a practitioner be sure that they have fully eliminated any anger, ill will, frustration, annoyance, irritation towards someone that they have been focusing on during loving kindness meditation? Yeah, so what I suggest people do is as they're training in all these teachings and putting together this comprehensive plan in terms of developing your life practice, because the Buddha's already giving you the plan, but you've got to learn that and you've got to employ his teachings into your life and develop your life practice. And part of that is the loving kindness meditation and including people into your meditation that you know you have anger and ill will and hatred or resentment towards, and even those lesser versions of like irritation and annoyance. And once you have meditated enough and you're around that person, then you should notice that 
there's nothing but joy. There's no hostility. There's no aggression. There's no annoyance or anything like this, that when you're around that person, there's nothing but peacefulness. And this is where your relationships can be very harmonious and you're not going to have this aggression and kind of push people away and, you know, be harsh in your intention, speech and actions. If these are people that you no longer see anymore, like maybe people that passed away or people that are no longer friends and you're no longer ever planning to be around those people for various reasons, that's fine. You don't need to go back and actually interact with those people, but you do need to include them in your meditation so that you can eliminate your anger and hostility towards them. And the way that you can objectively test whether you've completely eliminated the anger is you need to be honest with the mind and you need to objectively look at this and think about, okay, if this person showed up and knocked on my front door and said, hey, my car broke down two blocks away, can you give me some help? What would you do? Would you put on your jacket and your shoes and go help them? Or would you slam the door in their face? So even if you are meditating and you think that you've eliminated all this anger and hostility, but you objectively look at this and you're like, if they showed up, no way I'm helping them. I would slam the door. I, or I would just politely decline and say, no, I'm not going to help you. If you're thinking that way, then you haven't eliminated the anger, the hatred, the ill will, or those lesser versions. You haven't cultivated this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. You haven't developed this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well, because if that person would show up at your door and you had cultivated enough loving kindness, then you would put on your jacket, you would go help this person. So this is something that you should think about in terms of after you've included somebody in your meditation for several weeks and you're starting to feel like the loving kindness has been cultivated and the anger and hatred is gone, you can objectively look at the mind and ask the mind those questions. And then for situations where you think that you've eliminated anger and hostility, any kind of annoyance or irritation, and you go without that person in your meditation for maybe a few months, but then maybe you're around that person or maybe the thought of that person arises in the mind and you start observing some more irritation or annoyance or other strong feelings, put them back in your meditation because you're not done yet. You haven't done what the Buddha said, which is obliterated at the stump. He talks about this in terms of the pollutions of mind, that you need to obliterate it at the stump or destroy it so that it's no longer subject to future arising so that this ill will will no longer arise in the future. You need to obliterate it at the stump of a tree or you need to destroy it. So at any point that you see any kind of anger or hostility in the mind, you need to put those people or those groups of people back into your meditation so you can obliterate it at the stump so that it's no longer subject to future arising. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Uh, it does not appear that we have any more questions at this time. All right, so let's move into meditation. I'll go ahead and guide you guys in the meditation and we can open up for some more questions at the end if you guys still have questions. So go ahead and take a meditation position. If you're seated, that might be on the floor with some cushions under your rear. You would like to have your legs crossed just lightly so that they're not real tight. This allows the circulation to continue to flow because if the legs are real tight, then you're going to inhibit circulation and you're going to end up with some pain in the legs. This also lessens the angle at the hips, knees, and ankles. The hands and arms should be comfortable in the lap. 
the Buddha put his right hand on top of his left with his thumbs together, and you can put that in your lap if you like. Other options would be your palms on your thighs, on your knees, maybe on the armrest of a chair. This practice isn't about everyone doing it exactly the same because that's not possible. What you're looking for out of the body is you're looking for it to be comfortable, not luxurious and not painful, but comfortable. So the lower body and the hands and arms should be completely relaxed with no muscles engaged whatsoever. The upper body should be erect. This helps to keep the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. If your body was slouched in the upper body, the mind's going to have a tendency to be complacent. Or if you're real rigid and uptight, the mind's going to be uptight. So you would like to, again, not be luxurious, not be complacent or indifferent. You'd like to be comfortable with the body. So have the body upright and erect. This keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. Next, just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Here at the beginning of your meditation, you're just working to establish the breath. Remember, meditation, we're doing work here. It's a dedicated, active, purposeful training session. It's not a time to zone out or daydream. We're actually doing work with the mind and training it, much like an exercise for the body. So you would like to just breathe in through the nose and out through the nose, a nice, gradual, natural breath. Breathing in and out. You can stay here with the breath, focusing the mind on the breath. Or if you like, you're welcome to join along in the chants. After the chanting, I'll come back with some guidance to help you further in breathing mindfulness meditation and then in loving kindness meditation. Samma 
Once you have the breath established, start focusing the mind on the breath, the sound of the breath, or the sensation of air moving into the nose. This is the present moment. Focus the mind on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. Wherever you observe that the mind is moving off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. No need to observe the thought, judge the thought, label the thought, or even attempt to figure out where it's coming from. Just wherever you observe that the mind is off the breath, cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in and out. You're not trying to eliminate the thoughts. That's not the goal. It's not possible as long as you are alive to eliminate thoughts. You're training the mind to be aware or mindfulness. You're training the mind to have concentration, focusing on a single object, the breath. And when the mind is off the breath, to easily be able to let it go and come back to the breath, the present moment. I'm going to be quiet now and let you focus on the breath, letting go of any thoughts that might arise and coming back to the breath. 
You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. Just focus on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. And out.
continuing to focus on the breath. We're now going to move into loving kindness meditation. On the next exhale, repeat these affirmations in the mind. I be peaceful. May I be safe. free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. peaceful. May we be safe. May we be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes.
those whom I've harmed in this life be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom have harmed me be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering is cause.
all beings be peaceful. safe. beings be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. back to breathing mindfulness meditation, focusing on the breath, cutting off and letting go of any thoughts that arise, breathing in and out.
share something new to help you guys with your meditation practice. Firstly, always keep in mind that loving-kindness meditation isn't to change other people. This is for you to change and improve, transform the condition of your mind. So this is all directed inward at your own mind. Oftentimes people mistakenly think that loving-kindness meditation is to change other people, almost like the way that perhaps you've been taught in a prayer or something like this, that this is all about transforming your mind. This entire path to enlightenment is about your mind, not about training other people or controlling other people. So always focus this meditation inwardly. The next thing I'll share is that whenever you're starting to do something new, oftentimes people tend to put pressure on themselves to be an expert at it right away. 
this is impossible. Nothing that you've ever learned has been that way. You've always had to gradually train and gradually practice in order to experience gradual progress. So meditation is exactly the same way. So if you're just starting out or maybe you're just starting out learning with me and you've done other meditations before or you've done meditation other ways, other places before, I encourage you to understand that you're not going to be an expert right away, that there's going to need to be some improvements to the way that you meditate. If you've been meditating other places, there might be some things that are different about what I'm sharing with you. And as you experience those, Rather than hold on to what you've done before, I suggest that you work with these teachings and work with these because what I'm sharing with you is what you'll see in the words of the Buddha and what the Buddha taught. And it's a Buddha that's going to deeply understand the path to enlightenment. It's his knowledge, his wisdom, his insight that declared this path to enlightenment. He's the originator, the discoverer of this path to enlightenment. And what we've seen over 2,500 years is people have gotten farther and farther away from those teachings. And this is why people have really struggled to experience enlightenment, because people have moved farther and farther away from those teachings. But when you go back to the original source, the words of the Buddha, you can see what he taught and what he didn't teach. And with this wisdom, then you can refine your practice. Because if you're currently unenlightened and you've been at this for a little while, then there are certain things that you're doing that aren't 100% the truth that you're going to have to let go of. So by training the mind to let go of those things and work with these things that you're learning from the words of the Buddha, that's where you'll see the real progress. And if you're just starting or if you're just starting to learn with the words of the Buddha, understand that you're not going to be an expert. It's going to take you time to build up your practice, many months and maybe even years, but gradually work at it. That's how you experience progress. If you're expecting or craving or wanting to be an expert from the beginning, this is that ego that's in there, that conceit, that arrogance, wanting to be an expert from the very beginning. This isn't how anything that you've ever learned works. So be humble. It's wonderful to be in kindergarten again. It's wonderful to be in the first grade again. It's so wonderful. You know, my son is now in the third grade, finishing up third grade, and I go pick him up at school each day pretty much. And it's wonderful seeing these little kids come out. You know, it's just so wonderful. If you think back to those days when you were in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, life was just so wonderful, wasn't it? So allow the mind to go back to being in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, where you realize you're not an expert and you can just be humble and peaceful and just build up your practice from the beginning. So I'll turn things over to all of you guys and see what questions you guys might have now that this is our fourth and last session of breathing mindfulness meditation. As you would like to ask questions, you can put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or you can electronically raise your hand in Zoom. And as we end this series of classes, once we move into and complete the chanting series of four classes, we'll be rotating between breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation in this program. So while this is the last class of our four-part series, we will be doing loving kindness meditation more in this group learning program as we progress. Once we get to the end of our chanting series, then we'll just rotate between breathing mindfulness one week and loving kindness the next week. So I'll turn things over to all of you guys for any questions that you might have. Yes, sir. Is there ever a time where you would recommend 
focusing more on one meditation or the other um, more often. Yeah, I suggest that when you're first starting out for a minimum of the first four weeks, you should do breathing mindfulness meditation exclusively. And when you're seeing that you can build that up to, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, of course, the goal is to be 30 minutes or more. But when you're seeing that you're getting closer and closer to that 15, 20 minute mark, or even at the 30 minute mark, that's where you know that you have the ability to sit for longer periods of time or lay or stand, whatever type of meditation you're doing. And that's when you can bring in the loving kindness meditation because it's gonna take you some time to do the loving kindness meditation. If you're only getting five minutes of breathing mindfulness meditation, it might not be the right time for you to bring in loving kindness because you're not able to concentrate and focus for enough time to really do loving kindness meditation. So wait until you have some period of time where you can build up your practice to at least 15, 20 minutes. And that usually takes at least four weeks or longer. And then as you're building up your practice, you know, you can do the chanting, like I'm going to start teaching you guys next week, and that'll ease into meditation and kind of get you moving. But also remember that you don't have to do the chanting in order to meditate. If you would like to just get 10, 15, 20 minutes of meditation and here or there as you're going throughout your day, you might have your anchor points morning and evening where you're doing your full out meditation of chanting and breathing mindfulness, loving kindness, breathing mindfulness, chanting. Those are kind of like your anchor points. But if you need these little intermediary meditations throughout your day, even if it's just three minutes or five minutes, you're getting ready to go into a business meeting, you're sitting in your car, you'd like to do a little two or three minute meditation just to prepare the mind, or you're going into a meeting of something that's important. Maybe you're signing divorce papers, maybe you're buying a house or buying some property or making an investment. Maybe you're going in to talk with a doctor about a significant condition that you have health-wise or maybe one of your loved ones have health-wise. You know, take that little bit of time. You know, you don't have to go through the full-out chanting and everything. Just take that three minutes, five minutes, whatever you need, whether it's in the car, whether it's in the waiting room of the doctor, wherever it is, you can just grab that little bit of meditation to kind of prepare the mind for whatever it is you're about to embark on in your particular day. But by having your anchor points morning and evening, it'll make those intermediary meditations in the middle of your day, it'll make it that much more beneficial for you because you've got your anchor points morning and evening. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Do the anchor points have to be morning and evening? They don't. If someone has a work, sorry. <laughs> if, if someone what? If someone has a work schedule where they're sometimes working later on into the evening and they feel that maybe the mind is too tired for meditation, can they make those anchor points morning and afternoon, sir? Sure. You can identify any areas of your day that you would like to have those anchor points. Everybody's going to be different. And your schedule is going to change, right? Because of impermanence. So you might for six months be able to meditate morning and evening, and then things start to shift and change on you. And it might be different. I meditate first thing when I wake up in the morning and I meditate before going to bed. But when you do meditation before going to bed, you're not interested in your mind becoming tired and then meditating. That would not be wise because now you can't do that active work. So if you're observing that the mind is getting tired, maybe 30 minutes or an hour before that, that's when you would actually like to meditate prior to sleep. So when 
we sleep, you know, you might have been used to doing something prior to sleep, like when you get tired, but that's not what you would like to do with meditation. You would like to back it up a bit. So for you, it might be after breakfast and after dinner or something else like this. Your practice is unique to you. Or it might be afternoon, like you said, Miranda. The Buddha used to meditate three times a day. He would meditate morning, midday, and evening. And he basically didn't have a house. He didn't have possessions other than just two robes and a bowl, essentially. So he was able to meditate in this type of way. But even as a household practitioner, you should be able to find at least two anchor points. And remember, those are going to shift and change because we oftentimes fill up our day with all kinds of other unbeneficial activities. And if we start moving those things out of our life slowly but surely, you'll find that you actually have a lot of time in your life to be able to do things like this where you're meditating. Because during the lifetime of the Buddha, household practitioners had a much more difficult life than we have nowadays. If you could Excuse me. If you can just think about being able to walk over to your sink and turn on the water and boom, you've got water. 2,500 years ago, that's not the way it was. You know, there were households of people that needed to spend almost an entire day over multiple days in a month just to go to the water well, fill up their buckets of water, carry them to the house, dump them into some other container, go back to the water well, fill those up. You know, they had to do this throughout their month multiple times to be able to provide water for the household. We can just open up a faucet and boom, we've got water available to us. Same thing with food. We have food systems that makes it so easy for us to just go get some food relatively easily. This didn't exist during the lifetime of the Buddha. And there's other things like this, that our life has a lot more space in it than it did during the lifetime of the Buddha. And this is why we tend to fill up our day with all kinds of erroneous activities. And if you start moving those unbeneficial things out of your life slowly but surely, you'll notice that you have more time to do things that are really beneficial for the mind, which are like meditation or attending these classes, studying with the books and the text, watching videos and podcasts, things like this. And as you gradually clear out these things of your life, you'll find that you'll be able to make more time for studying and training the mind. And then as you train the mind, you'll notice that you'll really get a lot of time in your life because we spend so much time being angry and frustrated and irritated arguing with people, holding grudges against people, being resentful. When you start moving out all of that unwholesome stuff out of your life, wow, right? Now you really start getting a lot of time. So first you start focusing on meditation, attending classes, learning these teachings, training the mind. And as you see the discontentedness gradually diminishing, you're going to start seeing more and more time available in your life. And now you can start doing a lot of the things that you truly enjoy, you know, whether it's spending time with people that are close to you or certain hobbies or activities because you've cleared out all of the erroneous, unbeneficial things. And now your mind is starting to function more optimally and you're not sitting around being miserable with this discontent mind. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, on YouTube, Tonka asks, when meditating, the gap between breaths gets longer and there is a tendency to rest and extend the gap since it feels very peaceful in that gap. Is that a problem? Thank you for your feedback, sir. 
Yeah, that's not a problem at all. If, if those gaps become elongated, that's completely fine. That's where the mind becomes very still, very quieted. And the more that the mind experiences in this middle way and it experiences that quietness and that peacefulness, it'll tend to stay there for longer and longer periods of time, even on the in-breath and the out-breath and then even outside of meditation. The way that I think about it is if you took a piece of wood uh, that was a flat piece of wood and you got a piece of steel and you started rubbing this steel back and forth in a straight line over lots of time of rubbing that steel into the wood over and over and over again it would wear this groove down into the wood but as you're doing that this piece of steel is going to bounce out of the middle and you're gonna have to bring it back consciously and grind it some more and grind it some more and then it's going to bounce out and you got to bring it back. You got to grind it some more, grind it some more, getting down deeper and deeper into the wood. Eventually you get deep enough down into the wood, the steel's not going to bounce out of the middle. It's not going to bounce out of that groove because you're so deep down into the wood. Well, the mind is the same way. The more that it experiences this middle way and that peacefulness in meditation and outside of meditation, it gets used to being in the middle and experiencing this optimal performance where it's peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. Initially, it'll bounce out where you'll get a few minutes, a few seconds, maybe a few hours over time of peacefulness, but then it'll bounce out and it'll get shaken up. But then that time gets elongated more and more and the mind won't bounce out of the middle. You'll get days and weeks and months of this peacefulness, this calmness, the serenity, the contentedness and joy. But then even as you're in that first, second, third stage of enlightenment, you might go three months or six months with complete peacefulness and then boom, here comes some discontentedness. That mind is kind of slipping out of the middle. But ultimately, when you get to the fourth stage of enlightenment, the mind will permanently be peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy. You'll observe for one year, two years, three years that the mind is not experienced any discontentedness whatsoever. And you'll know at that point that the mind is enlightened. But in the meantime, you're going to see that the mind is going to bounce out and you just bring the mind back, get it into that groove, both in meditation and outside of meditation. There's teachings that the Buddha provides in meditation and outside of meditation to bring the mind back to the middle and get used to the mind residing in the middle for longer and longer periods of time. Thank you, sir. Uh, Tony has his hand raised, so let's go to him. Thank you, Teacher David. Uh, in loving kindness, <clears throat> in the loving kindness practice, if uh, someone has a problem with someone, with a person, uh, I don't know. You said about the rings, so you put them in the rings. Would you do them? On, would, you, would you say their name in the in the uh, practice of the the uh, things? And would you? do it over and over several times. There's a lot of discontentment with that person. Yes. Thank you for your answer, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. So yes, that's exactly what you would do is you would start with I and go through those four statements. And ultimately your meditation is going to end with all beings going through those four statements. But in the middle there, that's where you customize it. So let's just say that you had a problem with a gentleman named Bob, for example, and this is some anger there. So you would do may Bob be peaceful. 
right? May Bob be safe, well, and free of discontentness. And then if it's quite significant, you can do it again. May Bob be peaceful. May Bob, you can include Bob multiple times. So one of the things that I did early on is I had a lot of negativity in the mind, negative self-talk. So I did, may I be peaceful multiple times. May I be peaceful over and over and over again. And then all beings. And after I did that for quite a while, then I expanded it. I started with I, then I moved to having my mom in there and I had a lot of hostility for her growing up. So for about six months, I was meditating with me, her, and all beings and then expanding it more and more. And then eventually I could move mom out because I observed that being around her, our relationship had significantly improved. There was no anger me towards her any longer. So now I started including other people. And then you get to a point where the number of people that you have anger for has diminished so much that it might just be an occasional situation. So back then I was a business person. So there might have been a customer that came in or like the landlord came and argued with me one day, or maybe it was a, an employee or something that I was having anger towards, maybe included them for a week or two. And then when I observed that it was gone, okay, it was gone. The mind let that go. So you can include them for as long as you like. You can do multiple iterations of that same person, if you like, to really wear that away and then customize it based on what you need and using the name or a group of people as well. But if it's a specific people that you have anger, hatred for or hostility or any kind of even lesser versions of that, you can include them as an individual person. Thank you, sir. Uh, it does not appear there are any more questions at this time, sir. Okay. Well, I'll just share with you guys what we're going to be doing in the future classes is next week on Wednesday, we're going to be doing the Buddhist chanting, starting that four-part series. I'm going to start just like I've done these other two series where I'm first going to talk with you and help you understand the why. Why even would someone be interested in learning something like Buddhist chanting? And you know, why would you do it? How do you do it? All these different aspects. And then I'm going to actually teach you how to do it using visual aids and guiding you slowly but surely. Not only the chants in Pali, which is the original source language of the Buddhist teachings, but I'm going to show you the English translations as well. We're going to do that next Wednesday and go through a four-part series with that. And then this Sunday in our group learning program, we're going to be in chapter five of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. Chapter five is the eightfold path. This is the path for all humans to enlightenment. When we talk about developing your life practice, this is the life practice. This is the path to enlightenment. So you're going to need to know the eightfold path backwards, forwards, left, right, up, down, like the back of your hand. So if you've learned this a, a time or two here or there, you would probably be interested to learn it again and really soak it into the mind. If you've learned this in other places, it's really important to learn it the way that I'm going to share it with you because I use the words of the Buddha. Because remember, he's the discoverer, the declarer, the originator of this path to enlightenment. So by using his words of what he actually taught, then you can deeply understand and penetrate the teachings to gain the wisdom that you need in order to put together this life practice and really see the results of it. So thank you all for coming to today's class. I'll see you either next Wednesday or perhaps this Sunday, maybe even both of those days. Until then, we'll see you next time. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. Sawadee 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.